just to uh, comment on you know the, the the spiritual warfare that we were feeling or sensing. You know, the, the Bible says in Psalm 149, it says, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. And, and what that is, is that's a picture. David was seeing prophetically how when, when he released uh, an intense level of worship and praise to the Lord that God let him see that it was the same as he had a sword in his hand. And that as he declared the high praise of God, and a two-edged sword was in his hand, and it goes on to say to inflict vengeance on the enemies of God and to put the kings and the princes of darkness into chains. Now, we don't... We don't have physical enemies like he did in the old days. You know, they they literally fought um, people, and and I know the context can can be construed that way, but for us, we have an enemy in darkness, and and he's powerful, and he's cunning, and he's got a strategy for our city. He's got a strategy for our county and our state, and he's got a strategy for you personally. And so, God opened the eyes of David to understand that when he engaged in, in, in powerful, reckless, abandoned worship, and the high praises of God came out of his mouth, he, he realized that I was, I was actually doing damage to the kingdom of darkness. That's why, you know, and I shared that last week about worship's for you. We don't add anything to God by worshiping Him. We don't make Him bitter, bigger, better, more awesome. I mean, he's, he's it. He's all that He is before us, and He will always be all that He is after us. But when we worship, it's for us. It's for our sake. That releases heaven and angels and power and glory onto your life. And if we can get enough of us in a room or enough of us across the city on a Sunday morning who all do it the way the Bible tells us to do it, we can actually do this to our city. Yeah. The very least, you have the authority to dis- clear the sky in your own life with worship. I mean, if you feel like you've got a dark cloud hanging over your head, worship. I mean, he says he gave us the garments of praise for that heaviness you're feeling. So put it on. It's a really cool looking jacket. They're the best shoes you'll ever find, ladies. Better than bedazzle. So that's what's happening. That's what we're doing. That's what we've been doing. And that's what we will continue to do as a church. That's why our worship goes a little long. That's so why we hang out and there's no words. We're, we're, we're creating an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to come and for angels to be welcome and for, for a move of God to start to happen. So if you're bored with our music, start worshiping. I say that with love and I know that our culture in America, Christianity, is three songs and a poem, and we get on to the 30-minute message, and then we go home. We don't do it like that if you haven't figured it out. 
So that's, that's what we're, we're, we're up here trying to cultivate when we, the singers sing and they sing off the chart, you know, it's, it's because we're trying to release something. Amen. We're trying to release the word of the Lord for now, you know. Get in the Bible and, and sing it. I encourage you to go home and sing the word of God to yourselves, to your kids, to your spouse. It'll, it'll revolutionize your life. Amen. And we're starting a revolution. Amen. Amen. And I'm excited about what God's doing with us this year. We're starting over. We're getting some fresh starts. Amen. I hope you guys are taking serious the vision for your life thing. I hope it's happening. I hope you're actually coming up with plans. I hope husbands and wives are talking about what are we going to do this year? Well, we're going to build our life in God this year. I hope parents are talking to their kids about how we're going to build our life this year. What's our vision for this year? I hope you have a vision. I hope you're working on that because if you don't, you're not going to get anywhere this year. If you aim at nothing, you will hit it. Every single time. And grace is here. God is, is giving us, a, and it's always here. I mean, there's always, God is always willing to wipe the slate clean if we'll just prostrate our heart the right way. I mean, if we will just repent, we will just go to God for however we've been messing it up. He's always willing and ready to say, come on, come on. So that's what we're, we're doing, and, and I... I feel like this year, you know, and I, today I'm going to share a message that I shared several years ago, and I just felt the Lord tell me to just pop it out, and I feel like it's really appropriate for kind of, again, just to get us, get us prepared, get us ready, get us, man, there's just, we all know that there's so much more God wants to do. I mean, it's like Eric said, we, we realize that, that it, we're not, I'm not satisfied with one miracle, I'm not just satisfied with Joel walking, though I praise God for that. I'm not contending for just that. And there's a, there's a, a capacity that we have as a people. There's a capacity that you have as an individual. And we've got to have a real kind of sober thought about what's my capacity and that's what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about our personal capacity today. And, and really, how God wants it to increase. There's an increase that God wants to bring. Now, I know that there's a lot of us here, and we, we get to, we understand the Bible talks about the law of sowing and reaping. You know, and, and, and what that law says is that if I put a seed of corn in the ground, I will get a stalk of corn. Right? It's pretty simple. We should all know that here in Corn County, USA. You put a soybean in the ground, and you hopefully get a soybean plant out. So, so I put thousands of corn seed in the ground around this church. Hopefully I get thousands of stalks of corn, right? Now, if I just, you know, put like 10 seeds in the ground, I'm just going to get 10 stalks of corn if everything goes right. If I put 10,000 in, hopefully I'm going to get 10,000 back. So, so it's, it's the thing of if I sow just a little, I just get back a little. 
If I sow, sow a whole bunch, I should get back a whole bunch, right? And the, and the thing is, is that when I sow, whatever I'm sowing into the ground, I should expect that that thing should come back to me, right? So if I put, if I sow wheat, I shouldn't expect orange trees to show up. I mean, right? That's kind of logical, but, but sometimes I think we get silly. If I put corn in because I want an apple tree, it, it just doesn't happen. Now, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it really highlights this principle. It says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, I know we can all kind of go, oh boy. Oh, here we go. Let's talk about some money. Well, I am. (laughs) But you know what? It's not just your money that this works for. It's every single level of your life. This principle works for you. In fact, I'm just going to blow through some scriptures just to show you that the Bible has a whole idea about how we, what we should be sowing, right? James 3.18 says this. It says, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Anybody want righteousness? Yeah. Well, you better put peace in the ground of your life. Peace in the lives of those people you're touching. If you want righteousness, a harvest of it to come to your life, you better start putting peace in the ground. How about Hosea chapter 10? Verse 12, it says, Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love. Man, who would love to just feel the love of God every moment? Some of us are struggling with that kind of unfailing love. Not that God's unfailing in his love, but we don't get it. We don't feel that all the time, do we? I feel like his love fails me sometimes. I sin, I get in trouble, and all of a sudden, where's God? Where's his love? So sow righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your unplowed ground, for it's time to seek the Lord. Until he comes and showers righteousness on you. But you've planted wickedness. And guess what happens when we plant wickedness? We reap evil. And then we eat the fruit of deception because we think everything's okay, but it's really not. Proverbs 22 verse 8 says this. He who sows wickedness reaps trouble. (laughs) And the rod of his fury will be destroyed. It's not just your money. Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. If you want to know why your life's falling apart sometimes, this might be it. Matthew 13, 8 says, Other seed fell on good soil, and where it produced a crop of 100 or 60 or 30 times, that was sown. So the law is clear in the Bible. The law of sowing and reaping is here. 
You can't deny it. God put it in the earth, and we can't reject it. We can't. It's just there. But I think what we struggle with or we don't understand sometimes is why sometimes we feel like we're sowing the right thing abundantly, but we seem to kind of be reaping sparingly. Does anyone besides me feel like that? Oh, goodness. Okay. Well, I'm going to help illustrate this. I've got some pictures to, to show you guys, and they're a little dated, so they were back when we first started. But to me, this is a picture of our blessings. It's our harvest from God. This, to me, represents everything I've sown for. And not just money. I'm talking time. I'm talking about energy. I'm talking about emotional energy. Intellectual time where I'm learning and reading and studying. I've just, I have really sacrificed. Not to toot my own horn, but I'm just telling you. When you follow Jesus and you really, really want to make him happy, you sacrifice. You really do. This is my harvest. And I, and I feel like the Lord says, you know, I'm, uh, this is what I'm holding. I'm holding your blessing. You sowed for it. You gave your money. You gave your time. You gave your talent. You've given me creativity. You've given and sacrificed and done without. For all of that. Now go to the next picture. Here's the willing vessel. He's poised and ready to receive the blessing and the harvest of God. Pour it on me. I'm ready, Jesus. Come on now. Come on, pour it on me. Right? But here's what I, I feel like the Lord's saying to us. I can't give it all to you. And so, of course, I ask the question, why not? And the Lord says, Tom, why don't you just look down at your feet? And I look down and I see a jug that can only hold five gallons. Five gallons of blessings, all I can handle. And the Lord says, Tom, that's your personal capacity. This is all the blessing that I can actually pour out into your life. That's all I can entrust you with. Now, before I get all depressed about only having five gallons of capacity, <laughs> you know, I have to realize that there's something he's wanting to communicate. And then I felt like he showed me the capacity of some people, which was the next picture. <laughs> so I didn't feel so bad after that. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. You know, it, it's... And I've, you've heard me say this, and others have said it. You know, Keith Moore has this statement he makes. He says, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian but you do if you want to be a good one. I like that. And really, all he's doing is he's just repeating what Hebrews 10.25 says. It says, let us not give up meeting together, 
as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another all and, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, you know what that day is he's talking about? He's talking about Jesus coming back. Do you realize that's near? Do you realize that Christ is actually preparing and he's very near to the time when he's going to come back to the earth? And so here's the thing I think we don't understand or we don't carry that, that, that urgency in our heart. Is, is Well, you know, they've been saying he's coming back for thousands of years now. But it's not thousands of years. He's coming. He's really returning. And as that day approaches, here's what we don't get, is that God is issuing battle plans and strategies. He is, he is, he is communicating. And timing is so important to God. And so we need to be here. You see, God, he reveals his plans to his prophets and his apostles and, and his vision casters, you know, those who are first hear it and see it people. And so it's important to be here so you can get the plan. So you can hear the strategies of what he's trying to do with us. I mean, sometimes I get tired of re-preaching my message all week long after I preached it. Oh, I didn't make it to church. What did you preach about? I preached it Sunday. I know. I just couldn't get up. Sorry. Well, I can't remember what I preached, so good luck. <laughs> Go to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's important. It's very important. There's a plan, there's a battle plan that's being unveiled. If you didn't show up today, you'd have missed what Jeff said. <laughs> so here we say, pour it on us, Lord, right? Give it to us, we're ready. And God's saying, no. You're not ready for it. And here's why. And if you want to write something down, this would be great. Here's what I believe why. God is a God of extravagance. But he's not a God of waste. God is a God of extravagance, but he's not a God of waste. You see, the dilemma of having a blessed life is not with God. It's always with us. God is never short on resources. <laughs> you know, it's, he, he doesn't have to issue us IOUs. Oh, Tom, you got, a, you got a little ahead of me. Sorry, here, I owe you for that one. I mean, my, my financial breakthrough or my job or my promotion is, is not on hold because God's got it tied up with someone else. My promotion's on hold because God 
is waiting for me. It's not like there's just so many spots available. It's called a scarcity mentality. It means there's just a little bit out there, and I got looked over. See, the problem's not with God. It's always with me. I'm either not ready to handle the promotion or I can't handle the increase. I mean, come on, let's think about how many people, they even got a TV show dedicated to lottery winners who blow up their lives. They blow up their lives. They couldn't manage or budget 20000 a year, and then all of a sudden they got $2 million. It destroys them over and over. And here's something else I think is good to write down. God will not promote us to a place of incompetence. God will not promote us to a place of incompetence. You see, our personal capacity is our ability to contain that which God wants to give us. And until we become overqualified in our current place, in our current position, God will not promote us to the next level. See, until we have mastered our current responsibilities, God will not give you more responsibility. We keep asking, more God, more, more, give us more. Well, do you realize that new levels mean new devils? I mean, seriously, if you can't take authority over a pile of dirty dishes, what makes you think you can take authority over a demon? You know? If you can't take authority over the plate of food and what goes into your mouth, how are you going to have authority over sickness and disease? I mean, why would God give you more money on your paycheck only to have you wonder where that extra money went as well as all the money you had before? I don't know where my money's going. Oh, look good. Let's give you more of it. <laughs> I don't know why I'm broke. I don't know why I can't pay my bills. Well, good. Let's, let's fix that with throwing money at it. God is so much wiser than we are. Until we become overqualified in our current position, God will not promote us to the next. We have to be faithful with little things before God will make you faithful with big things. Here's a story to illustrate this. Matthew chapter 25. I'm just going to read a bunch of it, so... Starting in verse, verse 14, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who has called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. Underline that. 
and immediately went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Matthew 25, we're now in verse 20. So he who had received the five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. And enter into the joy of your Lord. He also had who received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. Underline that. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there's what you gave me. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own, at least with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And now cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, that seems pretty harsh for Jesus. Well, it's only harsh if our revelation of who he is is that he's just a sugar daddy. He's just a a doting dad who never says no. We, how do we frame this? Let's go back to verse 15. He says, And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. Now here's a couple of things we've got to kind of recognize or realize here in this passage. First of all, God gave all of them something. I.e., God has given all of us something. Now you may say, I don't have anything. Yes, you do. You're clothed. You got here. So you got some kind of a vehicle or access to something. We've all been given something. 
Now, here's the second thing we've got to recognize. None of these people looked at each other and started either boasting or complaining about who had more or less than they did. In fact, the ones with five and two talents like rushed off immediately and put their money to work. They didn't compare their gifts to this guy. Well, that's not fair. You, you, only, you got five, I only got one. I believe they had such a relationship with their Lord that they trusted him that what they needed was exactly what he gave them. Instead of accusing, they, they trusted. I think that sometimes we, we love to just look at each other and we love to complain about not getting the opportunity that he got. I didn't get the opportunity that she got. Why don't they recognize me here? We've got to stop that. We've got to quit looking at what you got, and I need to look at what has God given me? What's in my hand? And then ask the question, Am I faithful with it? Am I doing that which I should be doing with it? Here's some things you should be asking that question about. God gave you a marriage, some of you. That's a valuable resource. And he gave it to you. He brought another person into your life. Now, you could look at your spouse and go, well, you're not Brad Pitt. <laughs> you could say, you ain't Angelina Jolie. <laughs> right? We could. We could complain about all that we didn't get. The fact is, is you have what God gave you. So instead of going, hey, well, he's got it better. Well, if I had a wife like that, then maybe I'd be a happy man. No, you'd make her mad too. You'd mess her life up just like the one you got right now. Well, if God gave me a husband like, like that guy, I'd, I wouldn't nag all day. I doubt it. There's always something to complain about. And people who love to complain about complaining just always find a way to find that something to complain about. So, are you looking at what God gave you? How about your children? Are you faithful? Some of you got two, some of you got four, some of you got 12. No one here that I'm aware of has 12. Some people out there have 12. I'm amazed, though, at how people keep making children, but they don't parent them. I mean, seriously, do us all a favor and stop. Stop making kids. I mean, really. Just stop. 
Are you faithful with what you got? You've got friends. Some of them were brought from the Lord to you. What are you doing? Some of you get an allowance. Some of you have a job. Are you faithful with what God put into your hand? How are you maximizing it? How are you multiplying it? I mean, the thing that God's going to ask us when we get to heaven is He's going to, with all the love in His eyes, in His heart, He's going to say, What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with it? I buried it. I buried my husband. I buried my kids. Buried my heart and pistachio ice cream. <laughs> yes, everybody, hurry, everybody yell your favorite ice cream so I know what you love. There it is, okay. Gelato, cappuccino. That's the question he's going to ask. He already told us that's the question. That's the test. <laughs> you already know the question that the test is going to be about. When you die and you face your maker, he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? Did you waste it? Did you invest it? Did you break it? Did you build it? What did you do? Let's go back to verse 20. It says, He who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you have delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more besides them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And he also had two came and said, Lord, you've delivered to me two. Look what I gained, two more besides them. And his Lord said, Good job, you're faithful, you've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into your joy. Now here's an observation to make. That both these guys made the same percentage of return, but they both got the same reward. They both heard, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. You know, the master didn't exalt the one with five over the guy for, with the two, did he? Now, he did take the one talent from the unfaithful servant and gave it to the guy with five. But I'm sure it had to do with the guy's capacity. He could handle five. He could handle ten. He could probably handle eleven. You know, I shared about the lottery. I mean, people love the thought of getting rich quick. I'd love it. I mean, if I was honest about what's in my heart sometimes, I've thought about, man, I would just love to get a whole bunch of something for nothing. Amen. 
Yeah, well, don't get, don't be happy about it. Just admit it, okay? <laughs> and, and why do we love get rich quick? Why do we love it? Because it has nothing to do with you enlarging your capacity for anything. That's it. All you got to do is have five bucks in a gas station, and you're on your way to possibly being a millionaire. That's it. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to work on anything. You don't have to learn or grow or stretch or, or figure stuff out. You just throw down your money, pick up your cigarettes in your car and your 55-gallon drum diet pop. Can I, I brought my wheelbarrow. Can I just put it in here? I've already got a lift gate on the back of my minivan. It'll be fine. Do you realize, do you realize that the rich don't play the lottery? They don't play. It's because they invest themselves. They invest in their capacity so that they can receive better returns on what they do with their money. They learn, they look, they watch, they're talking to people. They're trying to figure out what's going on. That takes energy. It's when we think that our problems can be fixed with more money instead of more capacity that we end up worse in the end. I mean, most people are broke after they win the lottery. In fact, they end up in worse debt. They couldn't handle 30,000, so when 3 million came, it destroyed them. They end up worse than when they began. And, and, and so what happens is that money comes and it just flows through their hand like water. Instead of paying off their debts, paying their house off, they get more debt. And it's because they never had the capacity to live with $3 million dollars. We ask God to pour out his spirit on us because our container is so small. I mean, we, we want more. God, more, more, more. I want more, more. But our container, it's, it's small. It's shallow. And so here's what happens is our experience is shallow. We get bored with Christianity. We get bored with coming to church every week. We get bored reading our Bible. We get bored being with God's people. The experience isn't what it could be. Because the capacity's not there. When God pours out his spirit on us, it results in anointing. When God comes and he, he visits and he, he sits on our worship time and our ministry time, the anointing flows. Lives get changed. 
That's not something that we're manufacturing other than we're just cooperating with what the Bible says about God and atmospheres. When the anointing's present, that also means spiritual authority is present. But we've got to come to this conclusion that God will not endorse us with his anointing if we can't handle the responsibility to steward it. I mean, seriously, our prayers needs to be really, God, have mercy and do not promote me until I can handle it. Don't give me more influence until I'm ready for it, God. I mean, seriously, our, our gift, it can take us places. It really can. I mean, if you're talented and you've got a skill set or a gift set that people really love and want, it'll open doors for you. But it can't keep you there. Only your character. Your gift can take you places that your character can't keep you. Until the character comes and it matches the level of gift. That's when God unleashes people on the world. The law of personal cap- capacity is, is there, whether we like it or not. I mean, it's like gravity. I mean, you can walk to the top of a building... If you do and you jump off, you're going to fall. You just, you, you can't fight it. And, and gravity doesn't discriminate, you know. It's like, oh, you're, you're a smart person, so I won't pull you to the earth until your death. It's the same for everyone. It's the same for everyone. I don't care where you go to church, if you're Baptist or Pentecostal or Methodist or Catholic or whatever, it doesn't matter what your ethnicity is, male or female, it really, it doesn't matter. Even how many Bible verses you can quote or fact is, is when you jump off that building, you're going to fall. It's a law. And I think we got to stop being silly. I mean, even Jesus knew better than to jump off a building. But sometimes I think we we prefer silliness, you know. It's like we sometimes, you know, we 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 quote the Bible and we say we're going to do greater things than even Jesus did, and and then we'll climb the building and we'll jump off and we'll be screaming our faith and Bible verses all the way to the ground. I mean, it's silly. It's just silly. The law of personal capacity is working the same way in our lives. It's, it's determining right now the quality of the life you're living. It's not your employer. He's not determining your success. You do. Your spouse doesn't determine the quality of your marriage. You do. It's our responsibility to enlarge our capacity. 
You know, there's a lot of us here I know that have received different anointings from the Lord. You know, when we've come to the altar and people have prayed for us and prophesied over us and, and downloaded, downloaded some really powerful grace packages. But does God want you to quit your job? No. How about leave church and go start your international ministry? No, God wants to test you right where you're at. You know, when David was, was anointed king by the prophet Samuel, no one came up in a chariot and said, Come on, we got your palace and your ring and your robe. Let's go. That didn't happen. No, what David did was he got anointed king, and, and you know what he did? He went back to the sheep. He didn't go to the palace. He went back to the desert, working what he was doing before he got anointed, before his prophetic word, before God downloaded a big old grace package that was like, would freak all of us out if someone said that too. Tom, you're going to be king of the United States of America. Thank you, Sean. You're in agreement with that? I love that. Amen. I'd be like, all right, I got to get ready. I need to. A... Sorry, Eric, I got to quit. I got to go to the White House. And Well, it's not starting yet. David had to become overqualified in his current position. He had to master this, his current level of responsibility, which were just sheep. Just take care of the sheep. So, so when we receive an anointing or a prophetic word, we don't quit what we're doing. We don't just go out and start printing up business cards, you know, and start handing them out. No, you have to become overqualified in what you're already doing. And if you're not doing anything, you better do something. Something. Because being overqualified at nothing is an epidemic. You know, and I'm not exactly sure, like, all the timing of, of all the events in David's life. But I'm pretty sure David killed the lion and he killed the bear after he received that anointing from Saul or from Samuel. I believe this because the things that you receive in public will be tested in private. God takes you to the private sheep fields of your life and he brings the lion and he brings the bear and he says to David, are you going to let one of my sheep die? Just one? Are you going to... Be intimidated by this bear? Are you going to be intimidated by a lion? You're going to go through a season where an entire army of men are coming to hunt your life. Think you might want to handle the bear and the lion so you can get a little prepared? You're going to go fight a 
giant who can take your head off. What are you going to do with this little stuff? Are you going to let even one of these sheep die? Because if you are, you're not making it to the palace. Because to the Lord, his sheep are his people. And if we can't prove to be confident or competent, faithful or responsible, then how can we be trusted with a palace? See, when God gives us a prophetic word, he's speaking to your future capacity. See, we can't hear God prophesy and just sit around and think, well, God said it would happen. And if he said it would happen, he said I'd do great things and be great. So I'll just sit here and wait for it to come. Now, what are you doing today? How are you making today great? Are days happening to you or are you happening to your day? Are you preparing yourself? Are you enlarging yourself? God speaks a word to our future, but it's our responsibility. It's my responsibility to sign up for the enlargement. I have to take financial peace. I have to sit through a marriage class. I have to read Loving Kids on Purpose. I have to do those things. Eric can't go through that, and then all of a sudden he does all it for me. It's my responsibility to, to learn chords and scales and rhythm. Amen. It's my job. I have to get better at it. It's, it's your responsibility to read your Bible and to have a prayer life. Amen. That's your job. Amen. This doesn't count. This don't count for you. Not when it comes to devotion. Part of it, a little bit. I, I didn't forsake gathering God. Good. You check mark. You get a star. Whatever. But this doesn't count for you in Jesus' time at all. It's your responsibility to make your life accountable to someone. It's your responsibility to get mentored to get coached, to get discipled. It's your job. You have to get educated. You have to go take college courses if you want a better than minimum wage job. You have to increase your capacity. First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. This was popular a few years back, and it's still the Word of God, so I love it. Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I might not cause pain. And so God granted him what he requested. You see, Jabez prayed that God would enlarge his territory. That he would enlarge his capacity. Because 
of the good blessing that he wanted to see in his life. We can't keep asking for more if we don't ask for a larger capacity. See, Jabez prayed for both the blessing and the enlargement. And when it comes to influence, or when influence comes, we have to have the hand of God on us. Because the hand of God is what guides us. It directs us. It keeps us from evil and every stupid mistake that we could make. Well, stand up if you want some more capacity. If you're ready to ask the Lord for that today, then just stand up and and listen. <laughs> I wish I could tell you this will be easy, because it, but it's not. It's not. This is hard. It stinks sometimes. It's not going to be painless. You're not going to get this without fire. Things are going to get hot for you. Hallelujah. God wants to know, what do you know? That's what the test is for, right? Remember school? We took tests. What was the point? It was to assess the knowledge that we've retained and, and, and what knowledge can we actually apply In math, we learned addition. We learned addition first. If if you don't know two plus two, then you can't move on to two times two. If we can't master addition, then we're we can't possibly have multiplication. And I don't know about you, but I'm just, I'm tired of church being about subtraction and division. <sighs> really, it's, it's, it's really time to learn how to add and multiply church. <laughs> I mean, that was what the early church did. They added and multiplied. Let's pray. Lord, I have more to say about this, and we'll do it next week. But today, we're here standing, and we are admitting that we need a capacity enlargement. God, as we enter into this year and we we start to hit discipleship, God, as a church, Father, I pray, Lord, that we would fall in love with the process, Lord, of you molding us and enlarging us, God. Making us, God, vessels who can contain the fullness of what you want to do in our city. Today, I pray for our capacity to be enlarged. I pray, God, for mindsets that, are, that, that get in the way to be brought down in the name of Jesus. 
every thought that is contrary to the truth of Jesus come down in Jesus' name. And Lord, the lie that so many of us believe that I'm too stupid, I'm too ignorant, I have too many learning disabilities, school, learning things, reading, all of those stuff, God, I pray right now, Lord, that those lies would be dropped in the name of Jesus. And I pray for supernatural brains, comprehension, God. I pray for, for connection, dot connecting, God. Revelation, come and touch our minds. Renew our minds, God. We are not a church of ignorant people. We are full of the knowledge of the Lord. So be full. Fill up your brain with the knowledge of the Lord. You know, I just, I feel like this thing of the learning disability and comprehension, I just feel like we need to just pray for that. So if I could get the altar team to come up here, and if you're here and you just feel like, you know, you're, you're, you just, you got a learning disability or you feel like I just can't comprehend when I read, if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to come down and we're just going to lay hands on you and pray for you. I just feel like the Lord wants to break the, the, the belief off first, okay? Just the lie that says you're stupid and you're, you, don't, you can't comprehend and I don't learn well and I never did good in school. Whatever that, that lie is, I feel like the Lord just wants to break it off so he can break in with light and truth today. So, Father, I'm just going to release this. For those who need to go, they can go. But those who need prayer, Lord, if they've got a, a disability of some sort, dyslexia, even ADD, God, Lord, we just break that in Jesus' name. We just don't want it. We don't agree with it anymore. Just stop agreeing. I feel like that's what the Lord's saying. Stop agreeing with your disability. I don't care how long you've had it. Stop agreeing with it. In Jesus' name. God, we just we hate those lies. We just bless your people, God. Go with us as we leave today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. I know there's more here than who's here, so come get prayer. Come get prayer now in Jesus' name, please.